Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, Life Church, I'm so glad that you joined us again today. We are in week 16, yes, I know, of our series called Wake Up the House. And today, I hope to wake up prayer in you. Now, like many of you, I've had conversations over the last few months, especially over the last few months, with people who when you speak with them um, and you ask them about how things are going, they would say the following, oh, well, you know, the devil has really attacked my family or my life or my business. The enemy is really, he's had, he's had his days over my finances. Um, he's really attacking the church. The church is under attack. And it sounds very religious, and it sounds like a Christian thing to say, but it shouldn't be. I have some important information, some important news for you. The devil has always been attacking us. There's not an increase in attack. Since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden, the enemy is after your life. He's not attacking more than before. But what we should identify is that for some or other reason right now in this world, his attacks are landing more punches than it's landed before. And also, if I'm going to give Satan the blame for when things are going bad in my life, the opposite should then also be applied. Will I give him credit for when things are going well? If you give him credit for when things are going bad, do you give him credit for when things are going well? If things are going bad because of his attacks, what do I do when things are going well? Am I thankful that he's not attacking me that much? Are you saying, thank you, devil? Thank you, enemy, that you aren't attacking me right now? No, we don't pray and give praise to the enemy. He is defeated. We have this theology in church where some people tend to give the devil credit for when things are happening in their lives and that should stop. That should not be in the Christian church. Why? Because you and I, we have been bought with a price. We've been paid for. He is not praiseworthy. He is defeated. And when you give him credit, you are praising his works. Stop doing that. And the problem is not that we have opened a door or you are releasing too much of the devil. The problem is you are releasing too little of God. It's a different way of thinking. Yes, you might be busy with the wrong things right now and wrong things leads towards death. And if you continue on that path, uh, it's going to lead towards death and disaster. But the way to change that is by getting busy with the right things getting busy with the way God would do things. I want to say this again. It's not focusing on, it's that glass half empty, half full. I'm not going to focus on what the enemy has done. I'm going to focus on what my Jesus, on what he has accomplished. I can either live a fearful life trying to figure out every day what door I might have opened or what crack in the door I might have left opened and focusing um, and trying to recount my footsteps over what did I do today? I just want to make sure I don't leave any doors open. Every night trying to re-step every action that you did. Or you can live a life of faith. Live a faith-filled life knowing that my God 
who saved me and cares for me and provides for me for all my needs, he also protects me and he keeps me and he has great plans for me. You can choose what you want to focus on. See, our problem most of the time is not opening the door to the devil too much. Our problem today, I believe, is praying to God too little. That's why we need to wake up to prayer. Church, it's time to wake up, to become a praying church again. Wake up the house and pray. So I want you to think about this. We need to pray. And when we pray, things change because we've prayed. God has given us this, this power of prayer, which is one of the greatest gifts. And listen, if Jesus felt the need for prayer, we should pray. If the Son of God made prayer a priority in His life on earth, we should make it a priority in our lives also. If Jesus felt the need to pray while He was walking on the earth, maybe we should use His example also. And we should. But why? Because I think that's, that's what has happened in the churches. People have lost the meaning for why they are praying. And it could be because they feel disappointed. The prayer might not have been answered. They might have um, get more confused. The outcome might not have turned out the way they wanted it to outcome. Uh, but, and then many people stop praying, but, but we should activate prayer again. And many times when we pray and we don't get the answers, I honestly believe because it might be because we aren't praying right. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus teaches how to pray, which means prayer can be taught, which means we can do things wrong. And we are right now. I just want you to acknowledge. I want you to sit there and acknowledge. Sometimes I am wrong and it's okay. So God teaches prayer so that we can apply it to our lives so that God's children will wake up to prayer and to praying. Now, two things I want you to know about prayer. Number one, you seriously need it. Seriously. Because we are in a battle and we are in a war and the enemy is against you and he is trying to kill you. We're not denying that. There is a battle going on. We read in Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says the following, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So he says, we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts in the heavenly places. So, so there is a wrestle going on. There is a battle going on. The question is, what are these principalities, these rulers the, and the heavenly places, what are they trying to accomplish in our lives? They would like, if you didn't know this, I want you to know what their, their agenda, their agenda they have. They would like to divide your home. That's one thing the principalities and the rulers of, in dark places want to do is they want to divide your home. They want to break up your marriage. They want you to get so focused on what's going on around you um, and so filled with fear that instead of living a life of thanksgiving, you live a life of const constant anxiety and fear. They would love to get you unsatisfied. They would love to get you to the place where nothing is good enough 
Whatever you have in your life, you are not satisfied anymore. Do you know that that was the original temptation in the Garden of Eden? Eve, are you really satisfied with what you have? Adam, Eve, are you satisfied? You can eat from any tree in the garden, but there's one tree you can't eat, eat from. And the enemy came to Eve and said, Eve, are you really going to settle for that? Are you going to settle for having a perfect relationship with God, eating from all the trees in the garden, but one? You can't be satisfied with that. And I see that in our young people's lives. I see it with the young people we speak to and counsel and have relationship with, that they're consciously going after more, not satisfied with where they are right now. But God wants us to pray in those situations and to make sure that we are not chasing after things. So there is a battle. You have to know that there are a, there's a battle going on. And the principalities, they want to damage your life. Now, a principality, we have to understand what it is. It comes from two words. Ipality, which means city. So a principality is a prince over a city. Prince Ipality. So it means that there is a stronghold. There is a prince over a region. So we are fighting every day in our lives. We are fighting a prince over a city or a region. The question in our lives should not be, why is the enemy attacking us more right now? The question in our lives should be, why is the principality, the prince over a region, why are his attacks landing? Why are his punches landing in our lives more than before? It might be because we are not applying the weapons that God has given us. God's given us tools to live in this life, a victorious life. You have been equipped to live a victorious life. Ephesians 6, 16 tells us the following. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So God says, listen, the enemy's going to attack, attack. There's going to be darts flying. There's going to be arrows flying. But all you do is you're going to take up the shield of faith. And then those attacks won't land in your life. So a principality is a geographical region that has a prince that rule over it. Now we find this in the Bible, in the Old New Testament. We find this today also, but I'm going to read it to you in the Old Testament specifically. And Daniel 10, 12, for those of you that don't think there are principalities in the air above us, there are. Let's read this. Then he said to me, and uh, this is Daniel speaking, and it's the angel Gabriel speaking to him. Do not be afraid, Daniel, for the first time that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I love that part. Daniel, the moment you set your heart to understand, meaning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my heart for doing things God's way, and I'm going to humble myself before God, your words were heard. Are you doing that in your prayer life? Are you setting your heart to understand, meaning I'm going to do things as God instructs me in the Bible. And are you humbling yourself under God's ways? If you are, the Bible says your words have been heard. But then he goes on. He says, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. 
Now, if this was a physical prince, do you think he can withstood the angel Gabriel? No, he can't. It's a principality over an area that kept Gabriel from delivering God's message to Daniel. Now, in the New Testament, we see it also. We see it in Mark 5, verse 8. It says, For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion. Now, a legion is between four to 6,000. So it's a lot. My name is Legion, for we are many. And also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, why did the demonic spirit beg Jesus? Please don't send us out of this region. Because they had a stronghold there. They had a stronghold over that region and over that area. So, so you will notice that certain areas have certain strongholds. And this is real, people. This is real. We see certain nations with certain strongholds, certain areas, certain strongholds. It's as if the whole nation is heading in a specific direction. And I do think there is currently a stronghold that has settled into this time more than before. And the stronghold currently over Canada is called fear and confusion. I don't think I've ever seen so much fear and confusion in the world as I am seeing today. We live in a world where there's, there's so much information. Because of technology, we have information and knowledge at our fingertips. But we are also in a world where truth is not based um, on God's word anymore. Truth is now based on opinions and feelings, not God's word. So that means there's a lot of confusion because if truth is based on opinion, we have 7.6 billion truths out there. But as believers, listen to me, church, we have to come against that. So we come against it with wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which we are going to pray for. And humility in faith, because that's what it requires. I'm going to submit myself under God's ways in faith. Because that's what you do when you want to tear down a stronghold or a principality. How do you battle a stronghold? By acting in what God says about it. I'm going to act God's way about it. In my prayer life and also in my talking, start speaking and walking in faith. Pray for wisdom daily for our nation. Pray for wisdom. Ask God to remove the fog and the uncertainty and ask for certainty. He says, ask for wisdom. You do this, and church, I know that when we start standing up and we start applying God's principles and we start praying, this world will change. Now, there are not just territorial spirits, but for you personally in your own life, not just the territory of Canada or BC or your area, Delta, Ladder, Tawas, wherever you might live. There's not just principalities, but there are also familiar spirits that the word speaks of. Spirits that minister in families. Is there a particular sin that is prevalent in your family? And I know most of you are able to draw a line through your family line. We go, my great-grandfather struggled with it. My grandfather struggled with it. My dad struggled with it. I'm struggling with it. Here's what you do with that. You are to pray and come against that spirit with the opposite spirit. And God's spirit leads you in that, whatever it might be. But listen, it's not just praying about it. It's also taking accountability for your actions and aligning your actions under God's ways. But prayer is the key. 
the key to get the car started so that you can get free from this thing. So number one, you seriously need it, seriously. And number two, why we need prayer, why need, we need to wake up to prayer. Second point, I don't want you to forget the purpose of prayer. Prayer has a purpose. See, when I become aware of areas where things have to change in my life, um, what happens is, uh, many of us, we start praying about that area and we start praying into it and praying and praying and praying. And, and then what happens is we get so, so occupied, so, um, I want to say, obsessed with praying about that area that it becomes uh, almost a new religion. It becomes something that I'm stuck in. I'm just going to keep praying about it. Sometimes people will stop praying about it because if they're still praying about it, it means that they haven't defeated it and then they feel discouraged and then they stop praying about it because they are stressing about it and then they stop praying and we should not stop praying. God says, I did not create prayer to put stress on you. I created prayer to take stress from you. In Philippians 4 verse 6, the purpose of prayer. Why did God create prayer? To, to relieve this world's anxiety and fear and stress from believers to take, to take it away from us. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So anxiety is the opposite of prayer. Be anxious for nothing but pray. Don't be anxious but pray. If you have anxiety in your prayer, you are not doing it right. That should be an indicator because it is the opposite of anxiety. Maybe you've seen this. People praying, but, but then they are so stressed and they are so anxious in their prayers it's like they are working themselves up because they are so stressed and it's really getting serious now. God, I'm going to start talking louder. I'm really going to get serious. Maybe you grew up in a church where the more anxious you sound, the better prayer session you've had. No. When we pray, it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, should guard your heart and your mind. If you have anxiety, stress, and fear, or worry in your life, it is an indicator to us that we are to pray more. We are not praying enough. Remember, two weeks ago, we, we spoke about the pathways that set in our minds, our thinking. We set certain tracks um, in our thinking. And the way we set the tracks is by, by walking on them back and forth, constantly thinking about it over and over again. And the Bible is so intelligent. It is so scientific that he knows instead of being anxious and walking the road, God wants us to set a new track that leads towards peace, which means I'm going to start thanking God for who he is. I'm going to exalt him in my prayer. And that way I'm not treading a track for anxiety and fear. And are there times and are there things that we are serious seriously praying about that there's a serious that have a serious nature that we ought to pray about yes but God is not influenced by our fear or our emotions or our opinions about the situation he is God 
He set things up in, up in such a way that he doesn't respond because we are screaming louder or wailing more. Remember, Joel said this last week. I loved what he said. He said, God does not speak worry. God does not speak anxiety. It's a different language. Doesn't know what you're talking about. Doesn't speak stress or fear. But God speaks Jesus. God speaks the Son. That is His language. And if when we are praying, we have to make sure when we pray, we pray according to who the Son is and according to what the Son has accomplished. And that will change our circumstances. So when we are in conversation with God, we are to speak Son. 1 Peter 5 or 6 is the following. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The word cast there means to literally put the responsibility for something into someone else's hand. It's like I'm handing it off to you and I'm not going to take it back again. I know many of us pray this way. We go, you know what, God, I'm just going to trust you. God, I'm just going to cast this. I'm going to, I'm going to put my burdens. I'm going to cast my cares onto you. There you go, God. There, there it is. I'm going to put it in front of you. You take it. There it is. God, take it. God, it's right there, God. Take it. Take that. I'm, God, I'm anxious and I'm stressing about that thing. Take it, God. It's yours. I'm just leaving it at your feet, God. It doesn't look like you're taking it, God. God, you're not. I'm just going to take this and I'm going to start handling it myself again. No, casting means I'm completely putting it into his hands and I'm trusting that God will take it up because that's what faith is. And because I trust God, even though the outcome might not be exactly the way I've planned it to be, I know his ways are better than my ways. I will apply the principles in his word, which means I am going to align with what heaven says regarding the situation. I'm going to align my actions and my doing to make sure that I'm doing things heaven's way. And then I'm going to trust and I'm going to pray. He says, don't be anxious, but pray. Prayer is not an option for the children of God. It's a necessity. But there are some keys to prayer that unless you use the keys, you won't access or accomplish what prayer should accomplish in your life. And I think there are many of us that don't know, we don't know about those keys. It's kind of the difference between having a car, having the keys to the car, putting it in the ignition, turning it, starting the car and driving. There is motion. Something happens. There's movement in your life. You can see God is moving in your life. You are going somewhere. And the difference between that and someone sitting in a car with no keys, and all you are doing is you are making prayer-like noises. Mm, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, praise God. But you're not applying the keys and the principles to get your life to move in the direction where God wants you to go. All that is is a whole bunch of noise. Please hear me. Time spent in prayer is important. You need it in your life, but you have to speak according to what Jesus is and what he has accomplished. Time spent in prayer is not time wasted. It's time invested. You are investing into your life when you pray. 
Here is a key that we learned from John Wesley. He said the following. He said, it seems like God is limited by our prayer life and he cannot do anything for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, I know for some of you, you will have a problem with that. This term, um, I want you to hear this and I, and I want you to understand this. We as humans, we have the privileged, humbling authority to release God's life-giving power in our lives through our prayer life. God's power in your life is limited by your prayer life. In Psalm 78, 41, it says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, the Hebrew statement here means when you bind someone, they are limited. They are put in chains. In chains. Is it possible for humans to limit the sovereign almighty God based on this scripture and what Daniel says? He says, again, and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Is it possible for humans to limit the sovereign, almighty God? That means that there are things that God wants to do, but he cannot do because he needs your cooperation. He needs the cooperation of humans. Jesus Christ, and some of you are going, no, no, Andres, you can't say that. Listen, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world but he will not force the world to accept him. He will not force the world to accept his payment for their sins. It remains their choice. God's desire is that every human gets saved, but the choice remains yours. So prayer is a cooperative act between us and heaven. God set up the situation on earth in such a way that nothing could happen on earth without you. Matthew 18, 18 says the following, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven depends on earth to interfere with earth. So when you don't pray, you limit heaven. He says in his word, man ought always to pray. Man ought always to pray. Why? Because heaven ought always to interfere with earth or have access to it. That is a powerful statement. Man ought always to pray because heaven ought always to have access to earth. It means that you can limit God by your non-prayer life. See, God works through his children, through, his, through his, his, his son. We know he worked our salvation to accomplish the will of heaven. Salvation was heaven's will. But when his children are not praying, heaven is limited. That's why we needed Jesus. That's also why Jesus prayed to bring God's will to earth. In Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says the following, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. So a child is born and a son is given. Christ is the son of God. Jesus is the child. Jesus, the Christ, the son in the child is a human. It's man. So Jesus made Christ legal on earth to release 
heaven's power and heaven's will for us salvation. That's why Jesus could pray. God's son spirit in a body given heaven access to earth. God will not interfere on earth without a human's cooperation. He can. There's nothing that can stop him. But he said he won't. And he never breaks his word. Never. That's why you need prayer in your life. That's why you need to pray. Why we need to wake up as to prayer as a church and as a body again. If you understand these things, it should change your reasons for prayer. I want to give heaven access to my life. Prayer is man in relationship with God, giving God legal license to interfere on this planet Earth in our lives in the way he chooses to. I'm not going to predict him and tell him what he has to do. But I'm going to give him access to bring forth his will because I trust him. I know his plans are good. I trust his ways. Prayer is God receiving access from man to interfere in our lives the way he chooses to. Why did Jesus pray? Because God set it up in such a way that his son, his sons and daughters, God set it up so we are authorized to release the power of God on earth. You are authorized to release God's power on earth in your life. You've been authorized to do it. So this means church. You want to see your relationships restored? Pray. Because you need heaven to interfere. You want to see your marriage restored? Pray. Because you need heaven to come in. And those tracks that have been set, you need God to come and give it a good clean wash so you can start again. You want to see your anxiety and fear disappear? Pray. Because you are releasing the power of heaven over it. I know peace and joy can settle in. You want to see his kingdom over your business and over your finances? Pray. Because you want heaven to give you insight and clarity and direction and, and also knowledge on what your next step should be. You want heaven to steer your heart, not things. Church, we pray for our nation because Canada needs heaven to interfere in this nation and in the directions that we are going. We pray for our homes and we pray for our churches because they need heaven to interfere with the direction that the homes are going. We pray for our pastors because healthy pastors means healthy churches, which means healthy families, which means healthy communities, which leads to a healthy nation. Church, pray over whatever it might be that you are going through. Are you investing in prayer? Prayer, church, should be something that, that we are known for. And so that when the world looks at us, they look at a body praying to their father, giving God access to interfere in their lives. Pray, church, over your children, over your children's children, over your grandchildren. Can you imagine what it would be like when the floodgates of heaven are opened up over your home? Why will they be opened up? Because you've given God legal access to come in and to bring heaven's will for your family. And you just, all you have to do is just start praying. 
and you will see God's blessing and you will see God's purpose. His favor poured out over you and your family. Pray, church, flood the earth with your prayers. Give heaven complete access. And what you will see is, you will see how your, your life and your light will shine brighter than ever before in a world that seems to be turning darker. But not if God's children pray. It can change everything. Wake up to prayer. You need it. You need it seriously. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to give you access to our lives. Father, we want to pray for your ways and your will in our lives. Father, we want to pray for heaven to interfere in every area of our lives because we can trust you and we know your ways are good and your plans are good and your purposes are good. And we can trust you, Lord. So, Father, I want to pray for everybody that's listening to this message. I want to pray that they will open up their lives and that they will start praying and speaking Son, speaking Jesus, speaking the victory that we have in you. I, I pray that we'll start doing it in their lives right now. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.